Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. And I'm so excited about this message tonight because I'm preaching on one of my favorite topics, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to attempt, in just a few minutes, to answer a giant question. And the question is, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? And I want you to go to John chapter 14, and then we'll wrap up in John chapter 16. But before we get there, I want you to know why I think, and I love that Pastor Preston, Pastor Holly, the team here, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is living and active and moving and shaping and forming everything around us. That the Holy Spirit is intensely interested and intensely active in the lives of anyone who will invite him in. I believe in the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit without any shame, unashamedly, unabashedly, I am a worshiper of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come this weekend and meet with every person that's watching online, every person watching on video, every person sitting in the room. The Holy Spirit is here this weekend to meet with every one of us. In fact, if you ever want to, if you, maybe you're new to the Holy Spirit. So I have two goals actually this weekend. I want to introduce the Holy Spirit to many of you who've never been introduced to the Holy Spirit. That's a big goal. But I believe that's going to happen this weekend. But I also have a second goal. I, I have come this weekend, I believe, to fan into flame the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are lying dormant in many of you that had an encounter with the Holy Spirit a long time ago. But you have grown dormant and maybe uh, apathetic or maybe just life and circumstances has drained the life out of you of the Holy Spirit. I have come this weekend to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit that are lying dormant in every one of us. And so if you're interested in the Holy Spirit, you can't even open the Bible story and get past the second verse before the Holy Spirit erupts off the pages at us. I'm going to show this to you, okay? In Genesis chapter 1, where your grandmother signed your Bible, the table of contents, go to Genesis chapter 1. And there is the Holy Spirit, right there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, look at this. says, now the earth was formless and empty... And darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, just leave that up just for a moment. The earth was formless, empty, and dark. I want to stop just for a moment. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to tell you the end of the story as I'm telling it. At the end of this message, we're going to get an opportunity to do two things. We're going to, we're going to get an opportunity to welcome Jesus into our lives, and we're going to get an opportunity to welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives. And there are some of you that are empty and formless, and your life seems dark. And the Holy Spirit is going to come this weekend and give you life. Just as the Holy Spirit came in the very beginning of the creation story, hovering over the dark of the deep, the Holy Spirit is coming this weekend to hover over the dark of the deep in every one of our lives. That is a big promise. But I want to show you this story. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As Moses is telling the creation story to the people of Israel, he's recounting back to them the creation story. He says, 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Father was there. And the Holy Spirit came. Now, I want you to put that on the side. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's verse 1. We all know that. And the Holy Spirit was there. Father, Holy Spirit. Now, go to John chapter 14. As you know, John 14 and 15 and 16 are the last long recorded conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. It is called in many circles the Great Discourse, the Great Conversation. Some theologians call it the last long conversation that Jesus had. Obviously, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to give his life for the all of mankind, and he's having this last thoughtful long conversation with his disciples what do you think would be the primary topic of this last long thoughtful conversation what do you think would be the last thing that jesus really wanted his followers to catch he wanted them to understand the holy spirit and jesus says three things about the holy spirit in john chapter 14 and again in john chapter 16 i want to show them to you this weekend because this is going to be a moment where you maybe welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. Just, and, and I want you to imagine you're, you're a disciple. And you recognize, you've been taught about the Holy Spirit. None of these men had walked very long with Jesus without recognizing that he walked with great authority, great power. But they had never been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. They had seen power of the Holy Spirit. They had seen people raised from the dead. They had seen people healed. There was something different about the teachings of Jesus that was different than any other teacher that they'd ever heard. And yet they had not had a personal encounter yet, an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is about to describe it. And the first thing he says is that the Holy Spirit is near to us. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father... Now, I want you to notice in all these passages of Scripture that I'm about to read, I want you to notice Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all these conversations. Jesus spoke in Trinitarian language. Jesus is about to give us an understanding of heaven and an understanding of the kingdom in a way that he had never taught them before. And he says, and, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you. Now, Jesus has just told him, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to the grave. And I will ascend into heaven. I'm not going to be with you much longer. And their hearts are broken. Their hearts are sad. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't be so sad. I am physically going to leave you. But I am going to send someone to you, another advocate, to help you and be with you forever. Notice this, verse 17, and the spirit of truth, and the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you and be in you. And verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm not leaving you alone. Now, right now, we're living in a world with a lot of orphans, a lot of spiritual orphans, a lot of people who are disconnected from their own families, both literally and spiritually. Let me tell you the two questions. I want you to write down these two questions. There are two questions that every one of you are asking, and you're looking for the answer to these two questions. Everyone that is watching this weekend is asking two questions. And all of us, if you're a human being, 
If you are looking or maybe have found the answer to these two questions. And the first question is this, am I loved? Does anyone really love me? Every human being wants to know the answer to that question. And that's why the family is so important. And that's why when the family unit breaks down, that, that big question of whether or not we're loved can't be answered very well. And so people begin looking for that answer outside of the place that God designed for us to get the answer. The family, moms and dads and family, were designed to answer that question. Am I loved? Yes, you are loved. And so when, when Jesus uses the analogy of an orphan, he's talking about people that don't live in a family. People that have been separated somehow from a family. And so the question is, am I loved? And so he says, and here's the second question. The second question, do I have a purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What, do I have a purpose for living? Do I have a purpose for life? Here's, here's the news I want to share with you this weekend. It's the Holy Spirit that answers those questions for us. When you're looking, and this is why Jesus used this example of being an orphan. This is why he goes into, and you can read the rest of John 14 and 15 and 16 on your own, but read it through the lens of those two questions being answered. Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send someone that's going to be with you. I'm going to send someone who is going to have conversations with you, who's going to lead you into all truth. And when you get to a place in your life where you don't know if you're loved, it will be the Holy Spirit that comes to you and reminds you that God is fascinated by you. God is near you. This is what happens in worship. Now, this worship may be new to you. That was great tonight, by the way. That was so good. I walked in here tonight needing to be in worship with you. And there was the presence of God was here. Maybe you didn't really even know what was going on. But it's the Holy Spirit that comes into those places of worship. What, what happens in worship? Why do we love worship so much? Because those two questions get answered. Is God near to us? Has God come close to us? Does God even want to be with us? That question gets answered by the very presence of God among us. God comes and says, I love you. I have a plan for you. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I have come to church with huge questions in my life. And in the time of worship is when the Lord speaks to me about direction, about decisions, about my family, about my kids, about my life. What happens in that time? God comes close to us. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling among us through us and in us and in that time of the presence of the Lord when we're caught up in the presence of God Brady I love you and I want to lead you now here's the second thing okay when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit he says the Holy Spirit is near to us and then Jesus says in John chapter 14 later on just a few verses later that the Holy Spirit is our teacher let me show you this okay in John 14 look ahead to verse 25 seven verses later he says all of this I have spoken while still with you. He says, but the advocate, this is the same word he used a moment ago, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. Now underline the word teach there. It's very, very important. He says he'll teach you all things and will remind you. He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Any teachers in the room, any teachers here this weekend, would you raise any school teachers? You know this, that and I used to teach school. For four years, I taught 
high school English to junior and seniors. And I know I don't sound like it, but I was actually a really good English teacher, all right? And I taught them the Southern English, okay? There's two Englishes. There's redneck English, which I speak fluently, and there's the Queen's English that everyone else speaks. But I taught both versions of it. But here's, here's what I did as a teacher. Not every day did I teach my kids something new. Most days, I simply reminded them of what I had already taught them. It's a constant reminder. This is what the language, it's the word didacto. The word teach is a word didacto. It means over and over and over and over. The Holy Spirit has come to remind us of what Jesus said. Now, I know today is a big day here in the valley because spring training started today, right? Opening day of spring training. Was that today? Is that not right? Nobody went. Was it this weekend, right? Okay. Three baseball fans in the whole room. That's awesome. <laughs> let, me be, uh, let me just let you know, spring training started this weekend in your city. All right. Because my hotel was full of Cub hats, all right? There were Cub fans everywhere in my hotel. They were so excited. They should be after like 300 years without winning the World Series. Now, here's what's happening. I thought about this today. Why are they going to spend a month playing exhibition baseball and then start a season that lasts 162 games? But they're going to spend an entire month getting ready for 100. Don't they know how to play the game already? I mean, these are men that have been playing the game for 15 years. What do they need to be taught? No, they have to be taught fundamentals for the next 30 days. They're going to have coaches pounding into them, catching, throwing, running, and hitting, catching, throwing, running, hitting, catching, throwing, running, hitting, catching, throwing, running, hitting for 30 days. These are professionals. And yet they have understood the need to be constantly reminded of the fine, small details of playing baseball. And here's why they're going to spend 30 days. They're going to spend 30 days so that when the actual games that count start, they will be ready. Now, I want to tell you something about life. I just turned 50, so I have one clue about life that I'm going to share with you today. I just have my first clue dawn on me. <laughs> Most of life is practice for a few big tests that we have to pass. Not every day is a big test. It's not. Most of my days are preparing myself for passing a few big tests later in my life. I have decided I'm going to be married to the same woman. I've been married 27 and a half years to the same woman. She's still my girlfriend. I have decided I'm going to end up at the end of my life passionately in love with Jesus. I have decided I'm going to be the best grandpa ever. And my kids are still in high school, but I've made up my mind. <laughs> and I'm practicing right now, getting ready to pass a few big tests later in my life. And here's what the Holy Spirit does to all of you. The Holy Spirit comes to us every day as the teacher reminding us of the basics, running, hitting, throwing and catching, running, hitting, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love God, love God, love your neighbor, watch your mouth, get off Facebook, love your neighbor, love your face. <laughs> this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us every day. It's almost like he's, he's willing to start over with some of us every day. And this is why the, the psalmist says his mercies are new every day. Every morning I wake up and the Holy Spirit is there. And it's almost like it's Groundhog Day. We get to repeat the same day over and over and over again. That's the whole point of that movie, by the way. 
It's, it's this beautiful theology, if you've not watched Groundhog Day, okay? Bill Murray is the apostle of our age right now in that movie, okay? Why? Because we get a chance to just keep proving ourselves, taking the same test, passing the same test. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is how patient the Holy Spirit is with us. Every single day, he shows up in the classroom of our lives. He shows up. He's there waiting for us. We open up a day, we get up out of bed, and there's the teacher waiting on us. This is what the, the word didacto means. Faithful teacher. Faithful advocate. Faithful friend who is willing to keep instructing, keep teaching, keep instructing, keep teaching until we get it right, until we're able to pass the few big tests that we all have to pass. Here's the third word, though. I want you to look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is our guide. This is different than the word teacher. I'm going to show this to you, okay? A lot of people read John chapter 16, and they think that Jesus is repeating what he said in John 14. He's not. He's saying something completely different. I'm going to show this to you, okay? Most people don't catch this, because most people don't know the Greek language behind the two words. Let me show this to you, okay? John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you. And every pastor knows this when they're preaching. I have a lot more to say to you. We just can't bear it tonight, okay? This is, why, this is where we all get this joke, all right? So Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, I promise. I have a lot more to say. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, when he arrives, and it wasn't going to be much longer because they were going to go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit, and he would come. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, listen to this, he will guide you. Now, a lot of people, again, think that that's the same thing as teaching, and it's not. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, this is the word hodegeo. The word hodegeo. The, the, the word for teacher was didacto, the faithful classroom instructor. But hodegeo is more like a mountain wilderness guide. Hodegeo is the word for someone who will take you by the hand. For many of you, if you've ever had surgery, okay, think about the amount of trust that we have for doctors and nurses when we have even minor surgeries. We're laying in, in a bed, and they put something in your, in, in, your, in your vein, and they said, count to three, and you go, one, yeah, you're gone. You ever had surgery? You ever been put under? Think about the amount of trust that we're giving them. They say to you, I just had my gallbladder out last year. It's really exciting. Or I can share all the details with you after the service. It's very, very exciting stuff. So, but, but I remember in that room, and they sent me home the same day. They took an organ out of my body and sent me home. That used to be like a week of recovery. Like, where, I didn't get a popsicle, right? I didn't get anything. They just sent me home. By the middle of the afternoon, I'm home. So I remember sitting there and they said, hey, Brady. And it turns out half the nurses are all my, go to my church, all right? So... Hey, Pastor Brady, count to three. One, two, boom. All right, I'm gone, out. I wake up and my gallbladder's gone. That's amazing trust that I have with them. Now, let me just say, I didn't want to be awake to watch, okay? So I'm fine with being put under, but I am trusting them to take my life into their hands and to do serious work in my lives. This is the word, hodegeo. Do you trust me to take you by the hand and to lead you to a place that you would never go on your own, to, to allow him to do something you can't even do. I can't take my own gallbladder out. 
I need someone else to do it for me. I need a trained doctor to take my gallbladder out. So that means, if that's true, and you can't take your own gallbladder out, it means I need someone who I trust to take me by the hand and to do something in my life that I cannot do on my own. This is the word, hodegeo. I will take you by the hand. I'm going to lead you to a place that you would never go on your own. And I'm going to do something in your life that you cannot do by yourself. Hodegeo. I'm going to guide you. I was telling this story, and I have a young pastor. He's not much older than Preston. He has a nine-year-old daughter. And so we just opened up this huge indoor water park right across the street from our church. A huge, massive indoor water park. Now, in Colorado, we have like three days that we can swim, okay? Three days that we can get in the pool. So to have an indoor water park is a huge thing in our city because it's so cold. And so it's been packed. I mean, people in January, when it's four degrees outside and snowing, people are, it's 85 degrees inside this indoor water park. It's like a sauna, okay? And so it's opening. There's a long line of people. So my pastor and his nine-year-old daughter somehow got a pass to get in. There's this huge waiting list. So they go up, and and when you walk in, there's this staircase, You walk up like seven or eight flights of stairs, you get to the top of this thing, and you stand on it, and you have to put your arms like this, and the floor just disappears, and you go down this huge chute, I mean, totally encased chute. You're going through this chute, like nine or ten turns, and then you spill out into this wave pool, okay? It's unbelievable. I haven't done it yet, but I think I'm over the weight limit. I think I'm over the weight limit, okay? But I want to do it so badly. 10 pounds from now, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it because I don't think I fit through the chute. I, think, I don't want to get stuck. It'd be on the news, and I don't want to do that. That's bad, okay? So she's up there, okay? She looks at all these staircases, and she's nine years old. And the dad, our pastor on our staff, says, look, that's where you go in. You're going to have a lot of fun going around. He's telling her all this, going around and around the chute, and that's where you're going to come out. It's going to be okay. You're going to spill out into a warm pool of water. But in between when you leave and when you come out, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be dark, and you're going to be going all around, but you have to trust that that's where you're going to come out. Hodegeo. See, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. For those of you tonight, and those of you this weekend, that choose to walk with the Holy Spirit, He will always be near to you. He'll be a faithful teacher to you every single day. But there will be moments where he will take you by the hand and lead you to the top of a staircase that you would never go on your own like this nine-year-old girl. And he's going to tell you, you're going to be okay when you come out. But in between, when you <laughs> when the chute opens and when you spill out into the warm pool, it's going to be a lot of faith involved. Are you willing to let me take you by the hand right now as your faithful teacher, will you let me be hodegeo into your life and take you on an adventure that you would never go on your own? That is what Jesus was talking about. Hodegeo. These is what Jesus... Now think about the men that were listening to these stories. These are men. 11 of the 12 died. Martyr's death. They went to the most difficult places on the planet to share the good news. The known world of their day heard the gospel because of these brave men and their their families. They all died martyrs' deaths. This is why Jesus spent so much 
time in John 14, 15, and 16 having this long, difficult, methodical conversation. And throughout this conversation, he's trying to tell them the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will not leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. Do not forget what I say. The Holy Spirit is with you. Now go. Go into all the world. Go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the planet. Go. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, go and make disciples. But do not go until the Holy Spirit comes. Now I'm going to give you this weekend, uh, uh, let me read this poem. I found this a couple of years ago. It's a 16th century prayer. Let me, this is actually, this prayer that I'm going to show you is actually a, a prayer, probably most people think it came from a guy um, that was a pirate runner. He actually died in, in the open seas. He got, got really sick as he was running slaves. and He was a pirate, basically. And, and, and a lot of people attribute this poem to him. They said that later in his life he had an epic encounter with God. And so this prayer is oftentimes attributed to him. That at the end of his life he realized he had wasted his life. And he wanted to get things right with God. And he wrote this prayer. Now this is, what, this is one story behind this prayer. But irregardless of who wrote it, this is a powerful prayer. In fact, I have this in my office. And I read this prayer every single day of my life. Every single day I'm in my office, I read this prayer. Because at 50 years old, I'm determined to not, I'm not going to get stagnant in my walk with the Lord. I'm not going to get complacent in my walk with the Lord. I've decided I'm going to fall more in love with Jesus than I've ever been in my life. And this is one of the prayers that I read over myself and over the church that I pastor and over my life. Let me read it to you, okay? It says, disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly. To venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. I'm reminded of that nine-year-old girl climbing to the top of a staircase, trusting that when her feet disappeared, that the Lord was calling her. And I hope that this nine-year-old girl never forgets the time that her dad led her to the top of the stairs. See, it's these little moments like this with our kids that teach them to trust God, to trust the Holy Spirit, to dare more boldly. Some of you need to hear this word. You are playing it too safe. That is a word of the Lord to somebody this weekend. You're playing it way too safe. And the Lord is about to lead you off the shore. He's going to call you to go out into wider seas where storms will show his mastery. And by losing sight of the land is when you're going to find the stars. This is a beautiful 16th century prayer. But I have a three-word prayer that is a lot more dangerous than that. So maybe you'll forget about this prayer, but let me give you three words I don't think you'll ever forget. About eight months ago, I'm going through this intense personal renewal of the Holy Spirit. And I grew up, I think the first... Ten words I ever heard were Holy Spirit. I grew up in a charismatic, Pentecostal home where we just couldn't imagine doing life without the Holy Spirit. So I grew up hearing of the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, being taught about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not new to me. But it's common for, for us to get accustomed to things, to lose the fascination with the things of God. 
And about eight months ago, I began praying three words before I got out of bed every morning. In fact, I prayed this morning before I ever put a foot on the floor, before I ever turned on a cell phone, before I ever looked at any email, before I did anything, before any television or radio or anything ever came on in my, in my room, I prayed three words. Come, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm going to challenge you for the next week, seven days. By the time you come back here next weekend, I want you to do something. And I, I just promise you, I'll, you, this will change your life. Before you get out of bed, my church has been doing this for about 30 days now. I've been challenging my church. Several thousand people have been doing this now for 30 days. And I'm hearing unbelievable stories. Before you get out of bed, before you turn on any kind of media, before you check your phone, when your eyes become awake, when you become coherent to the world, before coffee. <laughs> this is how you know it's the Lord, okay? Before coffee, pray three words. Pray it over and over again. Come, Holy Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. And see if your day does not radically change. Because what will happen is when you welcome the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into your day, you, you realize how near he is to you. Now, not every morning. I'm not saying that every morning you're going to have this epic encounter with God. It's not. It's not going to feel on many mornings very sensational. It's not meant to be. But what it will remind you is that how much we need him. It's not begging God to come near to us because he's already chosen to come near to us. I want you to hear this. This prayer is not begging God to come near. He has already chosen that. It's reminding us that we need him to be near. And there's a huge difference in that. It's not that God is a long way away and we have to call him, hey God, come over here. Hey God, don't forget about me. That's not why we're praying this prayer. It's to remind ourselves that we cannot live and breathe without the Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit, I depend upon you. Come, Holy Spirit. For three or four times, I'll just pray, come, Holy Spirit, into my day today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, upon my two teenagers. Come, Holy Spirit, into everything that I'm saying. And I just begin to think about what's going to happen that day, the things that I know about, the things that I don't know about. Come, Holy Spirit. So I want to take just a few minutes this weekend and I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to lead you in this three-word prayer that you hope you, you never forget. Before we do this, there are some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus. And Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus has a great purpose for your life. And maybe you've never been told that. seems so simple to those of us who have been in church all our lives. But there are some of you who've never heard that. I just feel this strong sense that there are some of you who've never believed that. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus has a magnificent plan for your life. He wants to be with you. So right where you are right now, just pray, Jesus, come. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Just that prayer, Jesus, you are Lord. I choose to follow Christ. I, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We all of us, every one of us need a Savior. And I have chosen Christ as my Savior. And so this is your chance right now to say, Christ is Lord of my life. So come, Jesus.
Come, Lord Jesus. And there's some people, there are people praying that prayer. I sense that so strongly. But there are many of you that need to pray the second prayer with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Can we just pray that right now as, a, as the body of Christ, as the people of God here in, the, in Scottsdale? Father, we thank you so much that you have sent us the Holy Spirit. And you did not leave us as orphans. And you're, you're the faithful, patient teacher. You're there in the classroom waiting for us every day. You're the one who leads us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And Father in heaven, you are the faithful guide. Hodegeo. You're taking us by the hand and leading us to a place that we would never go by ourselves. You're doing work in us that we could never do on our own. So come, Holy Spirit, come near to us. Come, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. And come, Holy Spirit, guide us and take us by the hand. And we pray this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because, Lord, we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working together in our lives to bring us to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.